to you this morning a little bit out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. And if you have your daily Bible, the date would be November 7th. How many would agree that prayer is a vital aspect of the Christian life? How many would also admit to struggling with their prayer life? Yes. <clears throat> I was driving just this week and hadn't formulated what, the, what I wanted to talk to you about this weekend. And a thought occurred to me about prayer. And uh, I began to ponder how, how difficult sometimes it is to have a consistent, ongoing prayer life. And... Uh, and how when you don't, if you, if you just kind of monitor and, and observe your life and watch your life, that when your prayer life begins to diminish, there's a direct relationship to a diminishing of the vitality of your relationship with the Lord. And uh, I was driving and I was thinking about all those dynamics and I was lamenting that whole issue and that whole reality and uh, just looking into my own life and, and knowing what a struggle it is to maintain a consistent, fervent prayer life. Um, and knowing that very often we, we struggle because sometimes I think that we feel like our prayers are ineffective. They don't really make much difference. And how difficult it is to, to really be spiritual when I'm praying. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, you know, your mind just starts going all over directions and thinking about all kinds of different things and all thoughts, these weird thoughts enter in. And uh, we were at the ferment only yesterday and Kurt was reminding us of how easy it is for, for us, even in our prayer life, for temptation. I mean, wicked, evil thoughts to enter in. You know, lustful thoughts, uh, uh, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts. Uh, and how the enemy just seeks to distract us. And sometimes you come away from a season of prayer, a day of prayer, an hour of prayer, a moment of prayer, and you think, what, what have I done? What have I accomplished? Has this really been anything significant and meaningful? And even as we were singing this morning, the thought occurred to me once again, and this is something that's a very, very regular occurrence. You know when Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, he talks about why can't I do the things I want to do? You know, he's lamenting being stuck still in this fallen human earth suit, you know, and uh, how easily it's distracted, how easily and quickly it's tripped up, and, and uh, how difficult it is to maintain a, a, a spiritual perspective. But the reality is we're spiritual beings. And though we may not always feel spiritual, doesn't mean that we aren't. And all God is concerned with is that we continue to persevere, we continue to press on in these, in these uh, pursuits. And we, he knows that we're not going to do them perfectly. He knows that we're not going to do them the way we aspire to do them. And we can't say with Paul, wretched man that I am. I'm stuck in this earth suit. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. And so we continue to pray. We continue to seek out. I was blessed by Debbie's uh, sharing of that little testimony about that family who took in that little baby uh, in, in, for that year or so and, and cared for it, but also began to pray for the mother, whoever she was, and, uh, and just prayed. And I'm sure, they, I'm sure there were days and nights when they didn't pray. 
I'm sure there were times when they forgot to pray. I'm sure there were times when they were questioning whether they should have taken that baby in or not. I mean, that's part of being a human being. That's part of our fallen condition. We, we want to be altruistic. We want to be um, all that we think God wants us to be. But the reality is we come crashing into who we are day to day. And thank God there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so the goal for us is just to continue to persevere. But because of that family's prayer, that, that woman got saved. Reunited with her baby, integrated into the church, is a productive, effective member of society. And just think of the alternative if that family hadn't been praying. So I want to encourage you this morning, hopefully, with uh, this little message on prayer. Uh, Prayer is so vital. And uh, so I've chosen this passage, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, to talk with you about prayer. Read it with me. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Literally in the Greek, the, the phrase is so that she won't come and beat me up and give me a black eye. That's what it really says in the Greek. That's a literal interpretation, by the way. And then the Lord said, commenting now on the parable. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't liken the, the Lord to this unrighteous judge. Rather, he contrasts the unrighteous judge with the Lord. He says, he says but listen to what the unjust judge says. He says, in effect, because she keeps bothering me, she's unrelenting, she's not going to give up, she's a pain to me. The best way to deal with her is give her what she wants and get rid of her. That's what the unrighteous judge says. He says, and will not God, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? In other words, will he be acting like the unrighteous judge? The obvious answer is no. He says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is a tremendous, tremendous parable. The question is, why pray? People ask that all the time. Why pray? If God is sovereign, I spoke Friday night after the service, this young woman came and she's a brand new Christian. She, is, she was an absolute, absolute relativist. Atheist, everything was relative, no absolutes. She didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the Ten Commandments. And uh, ultimately, if you live that philosophy out, you become a nihilist and your life becomes hopeless. But rather than living out your philosophy, you just live for the moment and you have fun and you worry about dying tomorrow, you see. 
And she came to me, she'd just come to the Lord, she'd read a number of C.S. Lewis's books and was just profoundly affected and, and could not deny any longer the fact there was a God. But her perspective being such that she sees God now as just sovereign and uh, she said, why pray? And I said, did you not listen to my message tonight? <laughs> She did, but she, had, she has this block, this mental block. Why pray? What difference does prayer really make? If God is sovereign, if his plan is already set, and if he's working it out, why pray? Well, there's two good significant reasons. The one I want to talk to you about this morning is that if we don't pray, we're going to end up giving up. But that hangs on this other reason is that God gives us a significant role to play in everything he's doing. God gives us a significant role to play in everything he's doing. He's not just throwing us a bone. He's not just saying, well, I'll give you this little thing over here to keep you busy and to make you feel like you're doing something, uh, but I'm really doing all the great work over here. God allows us to participate with him in the great things he's doing. Think about this. In the act of creation, does not he give us a significant role to play in bringing another human being into existence? Oh, absolutely. And then does he not trust that human being into our care? Incredible. And then he allows us to play a significant role in the rebirth of that, of that significant human being, right? And then also the continuing care for that life. Everything God does, everything he does, he calls us in to play a significant role with him. He says, you are important beings. You are my children. I'm training you up, and I'm giving you excellent, excellent opportunities. Prayer is the same way. I don't know where I got this phrase, but I picked it up years ago, and it has really helped me through the years. Prayer is the most powerful way we can intervene in the life of another person or in any other situation. Prayer is the most powerful way that we can intervene. A lot of times we want to intervene personally. We want to get in. We want to tell somebody off. We want to put them straight. We want to get in there and move things around. But very often we end up doing more damage than uh, there was there in the first place. And for a lot of people, they lack a, a, a significant confidence in prayer. We pray as a last resort very often. Someone said, well, maybe we better pray about it. Has it come to that? <laughs> I mean, that's, we laugh, but, the, but uh, tragically, that is the view of most people. When we don't, we don't pray first. We don't pray always. We don't stay in an attitude of prayer. And we acknowledge the Lord in all things, in all of our ways. Are you getting a feeling for what I'm talking about? Is any of this ringing true? Prayer is vitally important. And so with that understanding, we ask ourselves, why pray? Because God calls us to. If you see in vision in your mind, here's a human need. Here's God and his power and his resource. Prayer is the connection between human need and God's resource. Prayer 
is the connection between human need and God's resource. Prayer brings God's resource to bear. Prayer, perpetual, consistent, faithful prayer, is the, is the key to bringing God's activity to bear on that human need. God doesn't need us to do this. But he chooses to give us that role. He says, here's what I want you to do. Pray. Pray. Because your prayers are significant. They are valuable. They are powerful. And until we grab a hold of and hold on to that perception, that understanding, prayer will not take on for us the significance and the importance that God intends it to nor will it have the effect that God intends it to have. Until we begin to say, wow, my prayers can make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely my prayers can make a difference. Well, I better commence to pray in them. Do you see? So why pray? Because it can make a difference. Now, Jesus says in this parable, he tells them this parable for this reason. Basically, in the struggle against the demonic realm, in the struggle against the influences and the cares of this world, remember from last week, and in the struggle of our own fallen flesh, there are two and only two options in that battle. Either it's pray always or give up. Those are the two options. Either I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray on a continual basis or I am going to end up giving up. It's very easy to give up, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'm, I understand what that is. I understand how difficult it is when, when you're called to pray and to pray continuously when you don't see anything in the visible realm happening. Your visible perceptive capacities don't see anything happening. You're thinking, oh man must not be God's will. Must not be God's will. If it wasn't God's will for you to pray, he would never have called you to pray. He never put that thing in your heart. He never stirred you up, never moved you to pray in the first place. And so even though we don't see anything happen or we don't feel like anything's happening, the temptation is very, very great to quit. And we get weary when we don't get positive feedback. Isn't that true? We get weary when we don't get something coming back to encourage us, to urge us on. But God calls us to walk by faith, not by sight. We live in the realm of faith. We flourish in the realm of faith. And as we do in the realm of faith, that affects how we exist and how we operate in this visible realm that we can see. So the two options are either pray or give up. Pray or give up. If you have a vision for prayer and you begin to develop a vision for how effective and powerful prayer can be and how you can affect other lives in a significant way for God's kingdom, then you will begin to pray and not give up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 you say, what should I pray about? Paul says, pray about everything. He says, he says in, in everything. He says, in everything. With prayers, with supplications. 
add thanksgiving to them, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, he says, let your requests be made known to God in everything. So what should you pray about? Everything. Everything. He says over in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, you say, how often should I pray? Paul says, pray continually. This is God's will for your life. Does that mean I could pray every single moment of every single day? Be a constant mumbling, mumbling prayers? No. But, but have an attitude, have a perspective that, that you can pray about everything on a continuous basis. I mean, I walk about throughout the day, and I'm, if I'm at my desk or I've got a few moments, I'll stop and I'll pray. I'll just say, Lord, thank you for this day. And invariably, God causes your faces to pop into my mind. God caused me to pray for my wife. God caused me to pray for my son. God, there's all sorts of situations. God just pops into my mind. And rather than just dismissing those things, I'll stop and I'll pray. So God's will for us is to pray continuously, pray always, because if we don't, we're going to give up. We're going to lose hope. We're going to come crashing in. And and if we do, then the thing that God has called us to pray about loses our support. And the, the connection between his resource and this need is broken. That's a significant thing. And if we have that, that vision, that understanding, then we won't quit. We'd say, God, I don't see anything happening, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to give up because I know if I quit praying, I'm going to give up. I'm going to lose hope. I'm going to lose heart. I'm going to get depressed and discouraged, and I'm going to lose hope in you. And every time we do that, then, the, then when the next opportunity comes to pray, once we've given up over here, it's easier to give up over here. Am I right? Are you with me? The key for the widow, as we look at that parable, the key for the widow to get the unrighteous judge to act on her behalf was not bribery. She wasn't bribing him. The key was not public opinion. He was not swayed by what men thought of him. The key was not the fact that he was afraid of the Lord, that he feared God. He wouldn't move even for that reason. The key to get the unrighteous judge to act on her behalf was her persistent pressure. Her persistent pressure. This woman was unrelenting. She believed. She believed on the deepest part of her being that with that continual pressure, she's going to get this guy to act. You know that? (coughs) Now, again, I want to caution us against against the, the comparing of the unrighteous judge with God. And, and the parable is not teaching us that we have to bring unrelenting pressure on God. It's not that we're bringing pressure on God. What we are doing is we are involving ourselves with him in perpetual prayer, prevailing prayer. The significant thing is because our prayer is that connecting point between God's resource and human need. Jesus is talking not about persistent pressure on God, but rather about perpetual prayer being the key to the activity of God. That's the key. God, God moves. Just think. 
Like the widow, there's lots and lots of people who, for them, life appears absolutely hopeless and useless. No reason to live. Witness, if you will, the, the number of people this past month who, uh, in the news, have committed suicide. Witness, if you will, the, the publication of a book of how to commit suicide. Witness, if you will, in the state of Washington this last week, the initiative placed before the voters there to legalize uh, euthanasia, physician-assisted uh, killing of people, because they just don't want to live anymore. Why don't people want to live? Because they feel what? Useless, hopeless. Now, I can understand someone hurting. I can understand someone being discouraged and depressed. I can understand pe people being without hope. But my goal is to bring those people hope. The widow in our parable has no hope. She has, she has, she's, she's facing in, incomparable resistance from this unrighteous judge. Her situation seems to be hopeless. When it seems that we are victims of forces that are greater than we can manage, things are just overwhelming to us and we can't handle them all. When there are no openings in, a, in that wall of pressure that may be bearing down on us. When there doesn't seem to be any answer to seemingly inescapable problems. When there's no end in sight but certain failure and loss. When these things bear in on our life, when we feel like, no way out, that's it, it's all over. Guess what? Jesus comes along and he says, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope. Don't quit. Don't give up. Pray. Pray. Prayer is the secret key to the activity of God. Prayer is the avenue in which we engage God's miraculous power, God's miraculous grace, His peace, His joy, His moving in our lives. Prayer. There is a way to, to the place of power, there is a solution to the problem. There is a solution. God has that solution. He says, come on, come seek me out. Come be with me. Come pray. I'll bring that solution to bear. I'll open the door. I'll put a, bring a crack in that wall. I'll bring you relief from that unbearable pressure. I can do it. Prayer. A crying out. A crying out to a God that we cannot see, but upon whom we can rely. <coughs> I've talked to so many people in this church over the years who have struggled with so many seemingly insurmountable problems. One family, um, almost two years ago now, were desperate financial straits, desperate. They're losing everything. Bills were mounting up. They were over $40,000 in debt. That's just cash debt. 
having to sell their house, having to get rid of everything. And the father came and he said, what, what can I do? And I just told him, I said, pray. He said, well, yeah, I've prayed. Nothing's happening. I said, don't quit. Don't quit. I said, get down on your knees every day, every night with your family, with your wife, with your kids. Pray, all of you. Pray, God help us. God help us. And God began to move. God began to move. And it wasn't but six months later. They had all the debt paid off. They had money in the bank. House was off the market. God saved them. I've talked to husbands and wives who were in very, very difficult marital situations with, with seemingly recalcitrant spouses who were unresponsive. They said, what should I do? Pray. 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 Is that all you had to tell me is pray? Give me some counsel. Pray. That's the best thing you can do. Well, how should I pray? I said, very simply. I said, will your spouse pray with you? No. Well, okay. Then do this. When you're, when you're in bed at night and your spouse is asleep, just lay your hand quietly on your spouse. Lay your hand quietly and say, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. Thank you. When in fact you may say, God, call fire down on heaven. <laughs> That's what sometimes we feel like doing that. But you just quietly, imperceptibly, just so your spouse can't feel it, lay your hand on that person at night. I've had some husbands and wives anoint their respective spouse with oil while they're sleeping. Don't wake them up. Just anoint them with oil and pray real simply two things. God, thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Bless my husband. Bless my wife. They say, that's it? I said, that's it? I said, you do it. You do it every single night. You do it every single night without fail. And you know, the, the, the couples that have done that, the husbands or the wives that have done that have come back to me. And they said, you're not going to believe what's happening. I said, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I'll tell you exactly what's happening. You're beginning to see some little changes, aren't you? You're beginning to see changes in yourself as well as that other person, huh? Yes. God's moving. God's moving. Prayer. See, we have to have a confidence in prayer. A confidence that God does want to move. God does want to bring relief. God does want to save us from these things. But he involves us in a very significant way. We can't see him, but we must have a confidence that we can rely upon him. I want to say something to you that I hope will rattle you right now and shake your categories. Prayer always stirs the heart of our Heavenly Father. Prayer always stirs the heart of our Heavenly Father, and prayer always moves Him to act. Always. Always. I hope that shakes some categories. That word always, it always stirs his heart and it always moves him to act. Now, he may not always act the way you want him to act. 
my son when he talks to me, when he asks me for things, when he pleads with me for things. Sometimes the things he asks and pleads for are not always in his best interest. But I don't ignore him. I don't turn my back on him while he's talking to me. I try to attend to him. I try to teach him eye contact. So we give each other eye contact. And I say, look at me in the eyes and talk with me. And he makes the greatest plea in the world. <laughs> and I look at him and say, oh, you really want this, don't you? He said, yes, Dad. And I said, well, let's talk about it. And, and you know how, how when God says to us, let's talk about it, we don't always want to hear what he has to say? My son doesn't always want to hear what I have to say. He just wants to tell me what he wants and <laughs> gone. We're talking about what? Relationship, aren't we? The point I want to make is that, is that my son's pleas always stir my heart and they always stir me to act. But I may not always act the way he wants me to act. God will not always give us what we want, nor will he give it to us in the time that we want it necessarily. But that doesn't mean that we shan't, shan't ask. But that doesn't mean that we can't come to him. Because in that process of prayer and communication, it's our our perceptions get shaped, get remolded necessarily. Unless we stay in there, we will not understand that. But we have to have a confidence that prayer always stirs his heart and always moves him to act. He is not like the unrighteous judge. Let me read to you from Luke 11. He says an astounding thing to us. In Luke chapter 11, talking about uh, prayer again, talking about asking, he says in verse 9, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Now those verbs when he says ask, seek, knock. Those verbs in the Greek are in the continuous present tense. The idea is keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. What's he talking about? He's talking about pray always. Stay in there. Keep the connection. Don't grow disheartened and break the connection because you don't see anything happening. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Stay with me. Stay with me. Press on. Persevere in prayer. That's what Jesus is saying to us. And then he makes the comparison. Uh, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Does God want us to be blessed in our life? Absolutely. He says, if you being an earthly father, a worldly father, and, and you evil in your human nature can still give your children good gifts, how much more God, who is perfect, will give you the best gifts? But the point is, he says, keep, keep in relationship, keep in relationship, keep in relationship, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ever grow discouraged or you may never receive it. In John chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus' words are, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What does he mean, in my name? He means basically according to my will. And God's will is very expansive. He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. 
John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Wow. 1 John chapter 3. Let me read to you from 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. He says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, in other words, if we're not aware of any real uh, sin in our life, if our hearts aren't condemning us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. The prayer of the righteous can do much. That's what James says. Righteous, we have the righteousness of God given to us. Positionally, we're righteous before God. It all just remains for us to live out that positional righteousness into a practical righteousness. So we're walking in an upright manner before him. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. We have this confidence in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ooh, isn't that great? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Does God want to do good things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's important because we've spoken of righteousness and practical righteousness. We've spoken of obeying Him and so forth. Let me share with you some things that can be, be possible causes for failure in prayer. Things that can break that connection. Things that can inhibit us even from praying. These are some things. There's, uh, let's see, five, there's 11 of them. I'm going to just run down the list for you. And then I'm going to give you some scripture references. If you miss them, you can get the tape and get them off the tape. But I want you to take these down and I want you to look up the scripture references and bear these things in mind. If you were at all serious about prayer, and certainly all of us should be, these are some possible causes for failure in prayer. The first one is disobedience. Disobedience. Jesus has already alluded to that, so hasn't John in his epistle. Disobedience. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 45. Deuteronomy 1.45. There's two other passages. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 37. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 37. And again, 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse 6. Get those verses down, look them up later on, read them. A secret, or I'm sorry, a second possible cause for failure in prayer is some secret sin, some hidden sin. Psalm 66, verse 18. Psalm 66, verse 18. A third possible cause would be indifference, an indifferent attitude. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Proverbs 1, Verses 28 and 29. That's indifference. Neglect of mercy would be another. Neglect of mercy. Proverbs 21, verse 13. Proverbs 21, verse 13. Neglect of mercy. 
despising God's word. Despising God's word. Proverbs 28, 9. Proverbs 28, 9. Being guilty of shedding blood, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. Isaiah 1, 15. Guilty of shedding blood. Iniquity. Iniquity. There's two passages. Isaiah 59, 2. Isaiah 59, 2, and Micah, chapter 3, verse 4. Micah, chapter 3, verse 4. Here's a good one. I got a bunch of people, past couple of services on this one. Stubbornness. <laughs> Stubbornness. I saw some people stiffen up uh, <laughs> Friday night and Saturday night. Zechariah, chapter 7, verse 13. Zechariah. 7.13. Stubbornness. <coughs> Instability. Instability. The, the idea of being double-minded. That person will never receive anything from God. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. An unstable person. Double-minded person. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. <coughs> Self-indulgence. Again, James addresses that issue. James, James chapter 4, verse 3. Self-indulgence. You just pray to get things to indulge yourself with. Self-indulgence. And the last one is strictly for husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. That's only for husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Now, I want to call your attention to verse 8 in our passage in Luke chapter 18. Jesus says, if you, he says, I tell you, he will see, God will see that they, his, his saints who cry out to him, will get justice and they will get it quickly. Jesus uses that word quick, quickly to describe God's response to the cries of his people. It seems to me that there are some people who have not experienced God quickly coming to their aid. Uh, I want to give you some perspective on that word and what I believe Jesus means. Jesus is speaking of the certainty of speedy action when the appointed hour comes. He's speaking of the certainty of speedy action when the time comes, when the fullness of time has arrived, when the appointed hour is at hand, when just the right moment comes according to God's economy of things, God will suddenly and without delay, he will move awesomely, powerfully, and put an end to the distress of those who have called upon his name. Do you see the importance of, of continuing to pray? Staying in that prayer mode always, not giving up. Because you never know, you never know, you never know when that moment's going to hit. You don't know that God, this, this wonderful uh, grand engineer of events, is moving things about. And, and we don't always see how all the pieces are falling in place and what he has to do over here and what he's doing over here and what he's doing over here. And finally, when the last piece of the puzzle falls in place, wow, it all comes together and it happens. 
We pray. We pray through that whole process. Hopefully, confidently, God, I know you're working. I can't see it. I don't know what it all it is that you have to do, but I'm confident in you. Lord, I continue to pray. I continue to pray. And I know that you're bringing me speedy action. I know that you're working. From the moment my prayers began to go up, even before I began to pray, you knew the need. You knew the need I had. But at the moment I began to pray, you began to put your, your plan into action. Isn't that exciting? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Peter tells us, Peter tells us in first, second Peter chapter three, verses eight and nine, he says, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. And then he uses a, a, a common saying of the day, a parable. He says, he says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. He's not saying that it's going to be a thousand years before God comes and makes this thing happen. He's just saying, he says, look, time to God is really irrelevant. Wait upon him, wait upon him. He's moving, he's moving. He goes on to tell us, he says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some consider slowness. And we are always looking and say, God, you're late, you're late. Oh, God, I'm going down, that's it. Sorry. God is not slow. He's never late. He knows exactly what he's doing. His timing is perfect. We must be confident in him, in his will, in his plan, and continue to pray. Psalm 112, verse 4. Oh, I love this. Psalm 112, verse 4. It says, light arises in the midst of the darkness for the upright. Light arises in the midst. I mean, it could be dark all around you, no hope, but you're continuing, you're staying in there, and all of a sudden, when you least expect it, light comes and illuminates your darkness. God moves and brings his deliverance suddenly and quickly as you've cried out and asked him to. Beloved, true prayer is nothing more than faith expressed. I believe. I believe. That's what prayer is. Prayer is faith expressed. Prayer is not begging. Prayer is not cajoling some reluctant God. Prayer is faith expressed. Prayer is believing instead of doubting. Oh, I believe. I believe. Prayer is thanking instead of complaining thanking. God, I thank you. I thank you for my provision. I thank you for your constant care. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. God, I thank you. Prayer. <laughs> Prayer is trusting. It's rejoicing communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. It's expressed faith. God offers us an intimate and personal relationship, does he not? That's what this book's all about, isn't it? It's a call to relationship with him. It's a call to being reconciled to him. It's a call for us to being reconciled with ourselves, with one another, with our environment. It's a call. God is restoring. God is healing relationships. And he is calling us into an intimate and personal relationship with himself. That intimate, personal relationship cannot exist without communication. It cannot exist. Just like a marriage cannot exist. It cannot flourish. It cannot without those two people communicating, those people learning to share, learning to listen, learning to talk. And it's a lifetime process, is it not? We don't always come to marriage fully prepared. Marriage is on-the-job training for most of us. 
And so isn't the Christian life. It's on the job training. We learn how to pray. We learn how to communicate. We learn these things. We learn how to implement them on a daily basis in our life. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is communication with God. We express our faith and our trust in God through prayer. We communicate with Him through prayer. That's what it's all about. It's not just begging. It's not cajoling. It's not complaining. It's saying, God, I want to talk to you. God, have you taken notice of this situation over here? I, I need to talk with you about this situation. Lord. You see? It's okay. You talk to God. That's what prayer is all about. I love to, when I pray at home, I pace. I talk to God. I said, Lord, I've got to talk to you about some things here. And, and I pace. And I can just picture God just going up there, Ooh, okay, yeah, well, keep listening. <laughs> Jesus says, he says, you know, he says, when I return, what, I, what am I going to find on earth when I return? Am I going to find faith on earth? What's he saying? He says, will he find us exercising this vital aspect? What vital aspect? Prayer. What do we say about prayer? Prayer is faith expressed. Will he find us exercising this vital aspect? Will he find us praying when he returns? Or is he going to find us distracted? Find us hopeless, giving up? The Bible says in the last days, men's love is going to grow cold. That, that the evil in the world is going to grow even greater. And you and I can grow even more hopeless if we allow ourselves to do that in, in very difficult times. But Jesus says, no, keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Prayer is the true expression of that kind of faith that speaks of a vital relationship with God. If you're not praying, you don't have a vital relationship with God. doesn't mean you don't have one doesn't mean you don't believe. All it says is if you're not praying, you don't have a vital relationship with God. You're not in connection with his life and his power. You're doing things basically in your own strength, your own energy. You're just hanging on. But prayer, continuous, ongoing prayer, is characteristic of a vital relationship, a hopeful relationship, a power, empowering relationship with God. When we only talk about God instead of with him, we are only giving evidence of a deteriorating faith. We can talk about God all we want, and that's wonderful. But if we're never talking with him, then we're only demonstrating that our faith is deteriorating. It is not vital. It's not alive. It's not powerful. For the purpose of faith is to bring us into that direct personal, vital touch with God. That's what faith is. And boy, when we pray, we're expressing that faith that brings us into that touch with Him. Martin Luther said it very, very succinctly, very aptly. He said, you that manifest a concern about religion, why don't you pray? I mean, you're all concerned with religious stuff. Why don't you pray? We give a book out in Roots, Roots 1, it's, the title of it is um, How to Be a Christian Without Being Religious. We're not about religion, we're about relationship. And a significant element of relationship is communication, faith expressed. The person who is praying, the person who is praying 
is involving him or herself in a vital relationship with the living God is not just being religious. He says, if you're concerned about religious stuff, pray, pray. If we're truly praying, beloved, we won't give up. If we're truly praying, we won't give up and we will experience, we will know experientially the full, satisfying peace, power, purpose, and presence of the living God in our life. Amen? Amen. Pray always and don't give up. Shall we pray? Lord God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for prayer. Thank you for speaking to us of this very essential element in our relationship with you. Thank you that you give us a significant role and a significant part to play in all that you're doing. Thank you that our prayers can make a difference and a significant difference. Lord, I pray that you would penetrate deeply into our minds and our hearts this morning and invest us once again, refresh in us once again a vision for prayer, a vision with spending time with you, communing with you. Lord, I pray that you'd enable us, strengthen us to set this as a high, high, high priority in our life. Lord, that it not be crowded out by the cares of this world. We give you thanks this morning. We praise you. You are a great God. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.